Next on BYU Sports Nation, the 2015 NBA draft all wrapped up. How in the world was an NCAA top 20 all-time scorer not selected? We'll tell you. It's a fast Friday with Brian Keel and running ba- running running backs coach Mark Atuaya, who tells us who's the breakout running back this season. Plus, the new head coach of BYU women's volleyball and how to manage expectations after a run to the national final. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Friday, Friday, BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products, June 26th. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with BYU Sports Nation's high tenor extraordinaire, Jerem Jordan. Maybe when I was 17. Okay, you sing a lot. I want to know, what, was your, what has been your greatest vocal performance in your life? Um, I, sang, I sang a solo in church when I was in high school. That's, the, that's it. <laughs> There's not a lot there, When you man. got done, were you like, yeah, I nailed that. Well, I actually forgot part of the lines in the middle of the song and then picked it up later. But it was so seamless, it seemed like it was just a piano solo part. You know what's funny about that? I mean, we sit here and talk on the radio and talk on TV. If you put me in church to, like, sing a solo in front of somebody... Forget about it. It scares me to death. It yeah, does. Yeah. The immediate reaction from I'd people's do faces... There are three people in the room with us right now. Yeah, the immediate reaction from a few hundred people is like, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because I, I have some people in my ward that look at me funny. So it makes me, <laughs> makes me a little weirded out. <laughs> One works on our crew. Be nice to Jeremy Church. <laughs> Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines, and we begin it with some breaking news. BYU Sports Nation breaking news. BYU Women's Volleyball, off a run to the national championship, has announced their new schedule for the approaching 2015 season. 29 games, 6 against Power 5 opponents, 12 home matches. And they opened the season with a pretty good run, Jaron. Chicago State, who? But North Carolina and USC, those are in L.A. Then they go to St. Louis, there's a three-game tournament there. They come home, they play at Idaho State, and then a pair with Oregon State. So nine solid matches to start the season. For a team that was really good, obviously, they lose Jennifer Hampson, the best female athlete in BYU history, in many people's opinion. But they bring back the nation's top two blockers. And Alexa Gray, the WCC Player of the Year. New head coach Heather Heather Olmstead has a talented group. To me, she's kind of like the Steve Kerr of the Warriors, if you will. There's, There's a full cupboard there. WCC is a challenge, certainly, but we'll talk to her coming up in about 37 minutes about what she thinks of this schedule. Yeah, conference play opens on September 24th. Speaking of volleyball, the USA under-21 team beat El Salvador in three last night to finish pool play. Brendan Sander had four kills and a block. Team USA will play Mexico tonight in Kenyatta. Cougars, <laughs> thanks. Cougars <laughs> in the PGA. It's the Travelers' Championship in Cromwell, Connecticut. Zach Blair on the course right now. He's four over through 14 holes in the second round. Daniel Summerhays shot a one over yesterday. Uh, tees off at about 2 Eastern today. Mike Weir tees off at about 115. He was 2 over yesterday. Projected cut, 2 under par. So these guys need to do some yeah, work yeah, today. Yeah, they got some work to do. The USA Outdoor Track and Field Championships underway. Shaq Walker finished 3rd in his heat in the 800. He runs again tonight at 1044 Eastern time. Jason Witt uh, took 12th in the 10,000 meters, I believe, 
Uh, Jared Ward was also uh, in that top 12, 10th overall in the 10,000 meters. On that note, good things happening. It's a Friday. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU and their history in the NBA draft. It starts with this. 60 selections and two rounds later, BYU's all-time leading scorer, Tyler Hawes, was not selected in last night's NBA draft special. It doesn't mean Tyler's dream is necessarily over in the NBA. In fact, far from. He's going to get invited to a summer camp and will try and play his way in. Don't count him out because I think in a way he was kind of expecting this. He's expecting to have to get into it the hard way. And he's a really good player, right? But the NBA draft is another thing. Uh, Tyler had a fantastic collegiate career. He'll get some looks in the NBA Summer League. Maybe he goes off. Maybe there's a team that really likes him and he fits. And then they take a chance on him and they sign him. We'll see. If that doesn't happen, he's got that Spanish League team, the workshop, as we'll probably call that. How sweet is that? To lean on the workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go to the workshop. (laughs) It's like like, about as good as the tool shed. I like, when a guy catches the ball in the post and pick up, I like saying, clock in, bro. <laughs> Time, Time to go to work, work Dirk. Time to go to work. Question is, how does a top 20 scorer in NCAA history go undrafted? Well, the reality is getting drafted in the NBA is very, very difficult. Numbers are not in your favor. In fact, let's play What's the Chance? BYU Sports Nation asks, what's the chance? Okay, normally we guess. Today I'm just going to tell you. In college football, there's an average of 105 players per team, 125 players per team, 13,125 players, 224 draft picks. 13,000 plus players. (laughs) So in other words, you have a 1.7% chance of getting drafted among all the players. If you're a college football player. seven. Okay? That's 1 in 58. College basketball, 15 players per team-ish, 345 teams, 5,175 players. Again, plus or minus a couple hundred. 60 picks. 1.1% chance of getting drafted. One in 86. Now, there are a bunch of Europeans and others. They're taking there, spots in the NBA draft. There was a draft. draft from India last night in the second round. They're taking spots, okay? The last five years, it's been an average of 11 foreign players in the draft. So that means there's only 49 spots. That means your chances of getting drafted if you're an NCAA player go 0.9 to 0.9%, one in 106. You it's less, so hard to get drafted. You have less than 1% chance of being drafted into the NBA, and that's if you're on a Division I NCAA roster. Less than 1%. Okay, getting onto an NCAA roster is hard <laughs> in and of itself. Now, essentially, a college basketball player, I looked up random fan, uh, fun facts, a college basketball player has basically as good a chance to write a New, York, a New York Times bestseller as they do to get drafted into the NBA. That's pretty wild. You make a little <laughs> bit more if you do the New York Times bestseller, probably. Point is, it is really difficult. Okay, since the NBA draft shrunk to just two rounds, BYU's presence in the draft has been sparse. Okay, that's, that's just the reality, and that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Six, BYU has six picks the last 27 years since the NBA draft went to two rounds in 1989. Michael Smith to the Celtics that year in 89, 93, Sean Bradley, of course, second pick in the draft. Travis Hansen, a second rounder to the Hawks, 04, Rafael Araujo, uh, a bust at number eight. Uh, Trent Playstead in 08 was a second round pick to the Sonics, dealt to the Pistons, then of course 2011, Jimmer Fredette drafted by the Bucks, 
dealt to the Kings. That's it. So you haven't had a ton. BYU has not had a ton in a while. This is an issue. We talk about uh, you know BYU football in the NFL draft needing to produce more NFL draft picks. It's the same with BYU's program and Dave Rose and the NBA. It would be it would be nice. BYU's producing really good teams. They're getting to the NCAA tournament. They're competing for conference titles. The next step would be to produce a couple of draft picks, which brings us to today's Twitter question. Which BYU basketball players are the most likely to be drafted in the next five years? Now, here's the thing. I have looked at the approaching rosters, and I think it gets exponentially better for BYU over the next five years. One, because you have the NCAA soon-to-be triple-double king. He's already tied the record for most career triple-doubles, Kyle Collinsworth. Last summer, we discussed this Tyler versus Kyle in the draft thing. I didn't think Tyler would get drafted. I think Kyle's the second-round pick. He's going to get drafted in the second round. I I think he is the first to go. NBADraft.net produced a mock draft for 2016. Last night or this morning. Kyle Collinsworth not in it. But he was in their previous two mock drafts. So he's right there. Somehow he fell from that to that. I don't know what happened. (laughs) But he went from 54 to 56. Some dudes from Serbia took his spots. (laughs) This is the Euros stealing all of the NCAA Stop stealing our draft picks! Yeah. Slovenia? (laughs) I like Kyle Collinsworth. He's, he's the obvious one because he's on top of mind. I think Eric Mika. There were some NBA guys his freshman year that were like, he's got, he's got an NBA-type body. He has, he has the skill set to do some work in the post. Why can't he be Miles Leonard okay. or even Miles Turner I think Eric Mika is going to get drafted into the NBA. Now, I do too. My sleeper is, Cor- is Corbin Kafusi. Mm, interesting. Because of his athleticism and – his raw talent, if they can develop him, and they will because he was only a freshman last year, think about Corbin Kafusi in three years and what he can do and what Bronson told us the other day. Like, he's gotten so much better. Those are the words of his brother. He's gotten way better over the past six months. I think, I think TJ Haas could be one of the few redheads to get picked into the NBA draft. I have- he could be Alfred, Alfred Payton of the Orlando Magic. Seriously? A better score. Sure, yeah. I think I think TJ after a senior could be a draft pick. Okay. Th- now that that would be hard. The chances that that happens are tough. But BYU is hoping to bring in some guys that could be drafted in the NBA. And like we said, it's really tough to get drafted. You have to have a you have to be you have to be the Liam Neeson from Taken for a lot of teams. A specific skill set acquired over a number of years, and I will find you and I will score the basketball or whatever. <laughs> right? That's what BYU needs. Hey, BYU basketball, you need more Liam Neesons. And then you have draft picks. I figured it out. Why did it take so long? The all-time leading scorer in BYU basketball history, a top 20 scorer in NCAA history, Tyler Haas, did not get drafted. That is how difficult it is to get into the NBA as a pick. It's not all about just scoring points. It's about the skill set you've got. Ziggy Ansah is the big... Potential. Bronson Kafusi had four and a half sacks, the same number as Ziggy, yet Ziggy's a fifth, round, or a fifth pick in the draft. There it's were, your individual skill set. There were 13 freshmen selected in the first round. That's more than an entire draft ever. Okay, there were 13 taken in the first round. 13 you, freshmen. And BYU does not attract the one and done. Generally right? not. Because they want more out of the experience of BYU. They're not coming here to just play one year of ball and leaving. Now, would BYU take those guys? Yes. So are you Please go- come. Are you going with, with two or three BYU players drafted in the, in the, the NBA five? in the next five years? I'll go two. I'll go two. Okay, I say three. I think that there's a sleeper in there somewhere. It'd be nice. I, I think it's going to be Corbin Kafusi because we'll, he's 6'10 and can jump out of the gym. We'll take two. We're one, at a one every five year pace right now. Talk about potential. Like that guy, he has really high potential. The ceiling is very high for Corbin Kafusi. 
At some point, we need to discuss this. Could Corbin Kafusi be better than Eric Mika? Wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. How, how good can he get? What if they're both awesome and they both play together for three years or two years? Let's get some tweets into this. Go to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. Which players are most likely to be drafted in the next five years from BYU into the NBA? At our greenhouse says at Big Russia 5. Kyle Collinsworth next year. There is almost no way he doesn't. Okay, there, There's a way he doesn't. Who else? At, yeah. at Carson and Bennett says this, Jerem. Eric Mika. He could be the next Blake Griffin. Okay, okay that's way the too, phone. That's way too much. I know I br- we brought up redheads, but wrong redhead, right? Eric, Eric <laughs> Mika could be drafted, uh, and I think he will be in the second round, but... Blake Griffin was the number one pick, wasn't he? And he is a high flyer and an NBA All-Star. That is quite the statement. Then again, Corbin Kafusi and the name Hakeem Olajuwon uh, were mentioned with Dave Rose. It's another Fast Friday, clearly. So buckle up, because former NFL linebacker Brian Keel is in studio. He'll tell you just how hard it is to get drafted into the big leagues. That's next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation presented... By the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products, simulcast on BYU Radio, moving pictures on BYU TV. Follow us on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation and join us anytime you feel like it using the hashtag BYUSN. If you missed BYU Football Media Day, where were you? We rebroadcasted that night and we have podcasts, but it's on demand if you missed it and you want it or check it out again. BYUTV.org slash DVR and there's an iTunes podcast as well. That's BYUTV.org slash DVR. You can watch it. Or listen to it. Four hours of live programming that day, including an awesome uh, four decades of dominance, state of the program, and BYU Sports Nation, two-hour dish. BYU basketball, we just talked about this, has had all of six NBA draft picks in the last 27 years. Since the NBA draft went to two rounds, they have had six picks in the last 27 years. So our Twitter question today is, which BYU basketball players are most likely to be drafted in the next five years. Jerem says there are two. I say that there are maybe three. I put my sleeper pick in there. At BYU Fan 1995 tweeting and saying, Eric Mika, Big Rush of Five, Kyle Collinsworth, and my blue goggle pick is Corbin Kafusi. Hmm. So he's with me. Right on with oh, me. If you're gonna if you're gonna guess and be wrong, guess big. That's what the NBA draft ends up being. You have to be an elite guard to get in there. And there was a number two pick there because the Lakers are going to get Kevin Love. <laughs> Breaking it down. Oh, goodness. Jimmer Fredette still uh, expected to hopefully find his way onto an NBA team. Uh, 141 out of 179 free agents ranked by yes. SB Nation. Nation. Yeah. yeah, and free agency begins next week. He could sign as early as next week, July 1st. It'd be nice to get some Cougars back into the NBA game. Tyler Haas still out there. He'll be in a summer camp. Jimmer trying to get on a roster. And Brandon Davies also in the NBA summer leagues as well. So to be determined for BYU and their NBA status. Joining us now, as he does every Fast Friday, is former BYU and NFL linebacker Brian Keel. Brian, I know you're a man of many sports. And, and I want to get your take on this. Many. Wait, we, what? Many. We, we just every sport. broke down the percentages of how difficult it is for a guy to get drafted in the NBA. And that's if you're a Division I college basketball player, less than 1%. Why is it so tough for good Division I athletes to get to that next level? What, what makes it so difficult? That is an excellent question. Um, I think it's just the numbers, the, the sheer numbers. I think you have so many high school players in any sport. You have so many college players in any sport. And then you get to the professional ranks, and it's just the elite of the elite. There's only so many teams. What is there, 28 
NBA teams? 30. 30. Is there 30? 30. Okay, so there's 30 teams. What do they have, 12 guys on a team or something like that? So, I mean, what is that, 320? What is it, guys? My Something math? like that. Is that my math all right? 360? 360? 360 guys? Oh, for how many teams uh-huh. in, in college basketball? Hey, no, no. Three, how yeah, many 30 guys times in 12, the NBA? That's 360, yeah. So, I mean, shoot, that's yeah. just a handful of guys. Think of it, there's 360 professional basketball players, well, NBA basketball players. Yeah. You know, that's not very many guys. That's not a ton. So going back to the stats, that's just, that's just an elite group. It's you know? just it's just science. Yes. Which, and here's, I guess, one thought with this is BYU wants to compete at the highest level. They want to compete at the national level, right? So you got to have really good athletes. In my opinion, you got to have NFL draft picks and NBA draft picks, uh, for the most part, to compete at that level. You, yeah. you can pull butlers, right? They, and yeah. they had Gordon Hayward, right, when they go to the national championship game, one, uh, whatever his name, Shelvin Mack or whatever. Does BYU need more draft picks to fulfill their goals right now? No, I, I don't think so. Because their their goals don't really. Let me change my answer. Yes and no. <laughs> yes, no. Because one of their one of their goals, one of their objectives. I don't know if it's necessarily a goal, but objective is to help guys get to the next level. But that's I wouldn't say that's their main objective or goal. Their main objective is to to win football games, to to win the state to win a national championship. That's their, that's their main objective. Having guys drafted, it doesn't one way or the other, doesn't have anything to do with that. That being said, if, if you, you know, take it from a holistic approach and think, well, in order for us to accomplish our main goal, which ultimately is to win a national championship, we need good players in order to get good players. We need credibility in order to have credibility. We need the guys to be able to get drafted. So yeah, it fits back. You know, there's some back and forth. This is long, Weird answer, but it's not, you know, their primary objective. Maybe like C or D down the list. Yeah, and I totally if get I, that. If I can speak for Bronco, right? He's given me that. No, he hasn't. Given <laughs> that I do not speak for Bronco. I yeah. When I, when I see BYU go over in the NFL and the NBA draft, I guess there is <sighs> concern rough. there because BYU does not need a ton of guys drafted. BYU never be Alabama with. LSU with all these picks, right? That's Kentucky. Just, th- those guys don't want to live the honor code. I just, I just get it, right? Let's be frank about <laughs> no, it. No, they don't. Yet, BYU in the past had, I don't know, a little more presence in, ter- in the league, and I think at that time we're peaking. So as a program, you hope to get to the point where, yes, yes, through free agency, you can have Brandon Davies get into the league and play a year and a half, which was great. Um, yes, you have you know, uh, Fua, Lasike, Leslie. These guys are in camps. This is awesome. But hopefully you can get picks because picks equal playing time for the most part. Mm-hmm. As a former pick, you can no speak question. to that. Yeah. We do. We, our numbers, they're terrible. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Spencer tried to get me to pontificate on some of the reasons. Still waiting I, for that. I, you know, it's, <laughs> there are reasons. Let's just put it this way. There are reasons that our draft numbers are low. And um, they deal with demographics. They deal with the way the NFL, at least for the NFL, I guess the NBA is kind of trended the same way. Mm-hmm. But the way the demographics, let's just say it this, okay? If you read between the lines here, people, the demographics of the NBA were different in 1970 than they are today. The demographics of BYU are the same today as they were in 1970. So, 
There you go. If you can We'd pick like to that think up, that it's a little better. Can, if you can pick up what I'm getting but at. But not a ton. Yeah. But I'm, that's all I'm going to say. This is why I want more that's, pontification, That's all I'm going to say on that. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say on that <laughs> right now. Okay, we've had two pontificate references already on the show. Pontificatory references. It is a fast Friday, no doubt about it. Brian, you were here on Media Day as part of the four decades of dominance. Uh, You were around some guys that have dreams of hitting that next level, Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Mitch Matthews. What was your biggest takeaway overall from Wednesday's Media Day and BYU football pushing forward to 2015. I think my biggest takeaway is that Kozlowski is kind of a goofball. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. I had, I had never really been around the guy that much, and he was that was kind of funny. It was entertaining to watch, especially the panel that he was in. The other two guys didn't want to say anything. Jeff and, Blank and Mark Wilson. <laughs> and he said everything. And it was funny. He kind of tried to to jab at Mark a little bit, and Mark he said Mark looked like Tom Hol or not Tom Hol, uh, Robbie, Robbie Bosco. Bosco. And uh, Mark didn't even comment he just sat there in silent it was kind of funny i don't know i I had i didn't even participate other than sitting in the audience and i had a great time it was fun yeah who who was fun to maybe meet or interact with that you maybe hadn't seen in a while or ever met really cool was to talk to uh, derwin gray or dewey gray he was literally my favorite player when he was here which is my my formative years really when my 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 blue diehardedness was solidified in those early 90s, you know, when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, those, those ages, just when I became a Cougar. And he was my favorite player. And, and I actually, I, I had forgotten this, too many hits to the head, I guess. But I spoke to him. He came to a game or something my junior year, and I spoke to him and told him the same thing. Oh, you're my favorite player. Can I have your autograph? <laughs> you know, total just like starstruck. And I, I, I actually had I've forgotten. But he, so anyway, he, he kind of, was taken back by that, and so he, then he said he followed me and followed my career, and, and so he came up to me the other day to talk to me and see how things were going and see what was going on, and it was just cool because it's, it's kind of it's kind of fun for me. This a guy that I idolized. It's just kind of fun for him to come up to me and actually know who I am and talk to me. That was fun. Very cool atmosphere that was created in four decades of dominance. Your family bloodline got a major shout-out on our show, first of all, from Omar Morgan when we talked to him, and then it was brought up again during the Four Decades of Dominance program, and that was the interception in the 1997 January 1st Cotton Bowl. Uh, Ed Keel got credit for shouting out, they're going to run a slant, <laughs> and then Omar Morgan acted accordingly. Yeah. So, how, I mean, how long have you known about that? Oh, I mean, from right after it happened, and so... <laughs> Uh, he, he, he definitely takes credit for that play, my brother <laughs> and rightly so he, 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 Omar made the play, but he wouldn't have been, I mean, you can say wouldn't have been, but most likely wouldn't have been in position hadn't he got tipped off. And, uh, I don't know how much was, was said about it, but what, what it was, they ran that play earlier in the game and it was audible and it was a profanity that was the audible. And so that's why my brother remembered it. Oh, and so the, when it that. came up again, the quarterback audibled, and that my brother remembered it from earlier. I don't know what curse word it was, but <laughs> what, what potty word. But it came up again, and my brother remembered. And, and you, you can see there on the he play, fifty-six. He, he knows it's coming. He tries to get in the way of the ball, but we got to tweet this um, out. Yeah, that's what happened. And so he yelled back, "Omar, slant, slant, jump the slant." 
The rest is history. That reminded me of the way the Super Bowl ended. It really did. That was where, the, where, where you read a situation that you've seen before. Yeah, where you're smart enough on the field to make yeah. a huge play to win that yeah. game. Because that is same side of the field, similar yeah. play. Yeah. And that that kid, uh, you know, he he had seen that play in practice, got beat on it in practice. And, and, and I guess Belichick went up to him and said, "Listen, they will run this in this situation, yeah. and you've got to you've got to jump the route." That's called preparation. And it won a Super Bowl. Preparation. When preparation meets opportunity, that's equals success. <laughs> There's no such thing yes. as luck. It's when there preparation meets opportunity. So, so the play in the Super Bowl, that Berto circus catch, yes. to get them to that position, that that's was luck. luck. That's true. That's true. <laughs> there was this aggressive tone uh, on media day, from starting with Bronco Mendenhall. He comes on the show on the set, and he's like, we're going to hunt teams down. We're hunting. We're trying to force our way into a Power 5 conference, and we're going to go after teams and get it. We had never heard that. Wow. And so – then Jamal Williams comes on and says, we're going to eat. <laughs> of, course, of course he would. Bronson Cafusi's like, we're going to strike teams down. Like all these aggressive verbs. I like it. I like it. How, yeah. Why, why do you think BYU has taken such an aggressive tone just a few years after, you know, independence is sustainable. We're okay. Now it's like, oh, no, it's, it's <laughs> kill or be killed in the well, Power 5 story. So my brother, Ed, he, he always used to say this. This is kind of his saying. Um, it was kind of against that old cliche Good things come to those who wait. So he and me are not very patient, and my family's not very patient. And so he would always say, the only thing that comes to those who wait is that which is left behind by those who hustle. <laughs> and so I was kind of, he, would always, he would always say that, you know. I love it. And that is so indicative of his personality because he has no patience. I don't have patience, and I look at him like, dude, you need some patience. <laughs> He's got no patience. But anyway, so back to this, it's kind of just that mindset. You can't, in our situation, we cannot just rest on our laurels, sit back, and wait for something to come to us because it's probably not going to come. We've got we to hunt. We gotta eat. We gotta kill. We gotta go out there and get it or strike down. That was the third one. We gotta it, go get it. So I, I yeah, think that yeah. is appropriate, and it's it's kind of what our situation is forcing us to do. It, that's exactly right. I think that BYU is in a pl- coming from a place of desperation because you don't want to go. BYU's outspoken about. It. We're not going back to the Mountain West without saying those words. They've said that <laughs> we're not going backward. We're going forward. And rightly so. Forward is Power Five, and that's it. That's yeah. the end of the road, right? Yeah. So BYU is in this interesting situation in the next couple of years where they have to do something significant. Yeah. Hopefully, you got to make to, noise. Yes. Yeah. And the schedules are set up to do that, but the risk is that you pr- you're probably probably going to have a couple more losses than normal if if you maintain that's right the where risk, you've been. Yeah. Eight and five against last year's schedule would be. Less than eight wins against yeah, this year's schedule. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know what? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. To use another cliche. Is it cliche, Frass Friday today? So, <laughs> but, but it's true. It is so true. Like, you, you, can't, you can't accomplish great things without swinging for the fences. You know what I mean? And, and that's what we're trying to do. And so, in order for it, – it really, it is P5 or bust. We don't want to be independent forever. Independent's great. It's been good for us. But we don't want to do it forever. And we're, we're not going back to the Mountain West. We want to get to a P5, and so we got to start swinging, man. Singles and doubles aren't going aren't gonna to make it. It's the high-risk, high-reward mentality. Is. BYU is all in on it. Brian Kill, Fast Friday, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, guys. Good stuff. Coming in. From the former NFL and BYU linebacker, a guy who beat the percentage odds to go <laughs> next level. Our next guest begged to come on the show today. Okay, baby begged is a strong word. That's a strong word. word. But he wanted to be with us. The running backs coach, Mark Atuaya. Also, he stole Bronco Mendenhall's golf cart to get here. <laughs> That's true. We will discuss this next <laughs> on BYU Sports Nation. I didn't know Bronco had a golf cart. Does he golf? 
High Society, man. Welcome back on a Friday. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Download the show podcast on iTunes. You can also stream it on BYUSportsNation.com. Hey, get your swag on. BYU Sports Nation swag specifically at the BYUStore.com. You can get BYU Sports Nation shirt, blue goggles. Check it out on TheBYUStore.com. Refreshing today's BYUSN headlines. Women's volleyball released their 2015 schedule. It includes six matches against Power 5 teams, 12 home matches. The conference schedule begins on September 24th. Seven opponents on the schedule made the NCAA tournament. And they're playing several of those multiple times, so it ends up being 11 of the 29 matches against teams that played in the NCAA tournament. That's pretty good. One in every three. More than one in every three. USA men's volleyball, U21 team beat El Salvador in three last night to finish pool play. Brendan Sander had four kills in a block. Team USA plays Mexico tonight in Canada. Three Cougars in the PGA Tour doing work right now at the Travelers Championship in beautiful Cromwell, Connecticut. Zach Blair, Daniel Summerhays, and Mike Weir. Zach Blair update. So he's seven over through 16. So slipping a little. The projected cut is two under. Summerhays and Weir will tee off later today. Both of them about three shots off the projected cut line as well. USA Outdoor Track and Field Championship. Shaq Walker took third uh, in the preliminaries. He runs again tonight. Jason Witt took 12th in 10,000 meters. Joining us now, our second elite guest on a <laughs> wow. Fast Friday. Mark Ottawaya, <laughs> running backs coach. What's up, everybody? Hey, you, on, you arrived in style. You just sent us a video. Of uh, of how you were planning on getting up here, you know, I've got you know some savvy, you know, and then trying to get you know make sure Sports Nation is uh, represented right. So you know, <laughs> I have to show you guys some love on Twitter. So so you borrowed someone's vehicle to get here. Yeah, you yeah. Tell us the, about that? the the boss is uh, uh, heading out. He's going on vacation, and uh, you know the keys are right there. So I took the keys and <laughs> to the golf cart. To the golf cart. To the golf know, cart. Drove around campus for a little bit, reminisced about all the classes that I. Uh, didn't go to, but uh, <laughs> it's been long enough. Yeah, good. You know, you know, and then I uh, came over here. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. But however, the, to the both of you. OK, so I looked this up before I got here. September 3rd okay. it was, was when you guys started this deal. That's right. And from then, I, I've known you guys for quite a long time. And from then until now, this is the only time that I'm coming on your show. I mean, I practically begged. Ben to get on your show, and I don't do that because, quite frankly, you know, you guys, uh, and, you know, your colleagues, I don't really like to hang out with. But for you two, I, I played basketball with with, with Jeremy and oh, Spence. Yeah. I see oh, yeah. around the way, and then it took what almost two two years to, to get on your show. So can we Let, offer a formal apology to you for waiting so yeah. long? Hey, you know, I'm not one to sin, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Given recent history, that's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) The running backs coach at BYU Football on BYU Sports Nation on a fast Friday. Now, after media day, there was was some good laughs in in Studio A with uh, a bunch of your former teammates. What was that that like for you to see some of your teammates? It was really good uh, to see, um, you know, to see everybody. I haven't seen Omar since, uh, since we left, you know, since I left school. And, uh, you know, it was nice to catch up with him. And so we start talking for a little bit. And the first thing he says to me, you know, basically is, Mark, you haven't changed a bit, man. (laughs) And uh, and it it was a compliment. I I mean, he and I had a a lot of good fun together. Uh, BYU was different at that time. uh, But, you know, it it was just great to to, to see everybody. I saw Ty. I saw Derwin. I saw Kalen. I saw a whole bunch of folks that – 
I don't really get to see on a on an everyday basis, and it was really nice to see see them, and especially back here on campus. Uh, many lives have been changed uh, being here at BYU, and uh, you know sometimes it sounds corny to to us that are you know, that are here in the valley, and and you know when we hear. Uh, those those types of sentiments expressed, uh, you know, sometimes everybody's like, yeah, whatever. But for those that don't live here and, and that come back and they feel uh, the unique uh, spirit that, that, that resides here, you know, in Provo and especially on our campus, uh, it, it makes you grateful for, for what you have. And, and that was definitely how I felt yesterday after seeing everybody. As a former player, you're in an interesting position because you are influential hey, over the. Hey, Jeremy, look, check me out, bro. Now, I'm on BYU TV, Mark, we're bro, showing. You where'd you guys work? find this stuff, man? My kids are we, not going to believe this me. This was in black oh. and white. We had to per, we had to color in <laughs> every grain of grass. Bro, that's about what seventy yeah. pounds ago. Check that out. <laughs> uh, Some highlights uh, of Mark Atawaya. Uh, all right, you can you can pay uh, you can pay us money and then we'll uh, show you these again. <laughs> a special special order. You're in an interesting spot because you influence the out come of games by your coaching with the running backs. So what, what kind of input do you get from former players making suggestions or comments during the season to you on your running backs? Good, for better or worse, right? Yeah, totally. I, shoot, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, for, for me especially, having uh, played the position and, and, and being here uh, with the unique set of nuances and intricacies that, that reside here at BYU, uh, you know, playing running back and, and knowing the tradition. I mean, oh, I saw Matt Bellini yesterday. And, uh, you know, when he left campus, I came on off of the heels of, of him. And uh, Lance Reynolds would always show us uh, a couple plays, 69H and 65F, uh, which we now run as 94 and 5, uh, would show us all of, of, of Matt Bellini's film and, 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 uh, and basically just, just tell us, hey, if you want to run the option route, run it just like this guy. And uh, to have that tradition connected yesterday in, uh, in for, for me, trying to teach these young cats uh, here what we do, and, uh, you know, it's, it was good. You know, and then the tradition is now going to continue to, to, uh, to live on here at, at BYU, and especially in the, in the running back room. Let's talk about who's in that running back room right now. You lose Paul Asike, uh, but you bring back basically the rest. So let, let's talk about your core. Who, who do you have in there, and why are you optimistic about what approaches? Well, uh, we get Jamal, uh, and, uh, you know, I tried to temper my feelings, uh, you know, and, and my expectations towards him. But I, I saw on an, uh, on an everyday basis how he was working, rehabbing, and, and getting better, and, uh, you know, Knowing me and my, and my style, I, I, I try to just hold everything back until, you know, we we get to to the point when he where he has to manifest that stuff. And you hold back what? Sometimes, <laughs> you know, especially in that in that part, you know, just to temper that you know our expectations. But to see Jamal on an everyday uh, basis, rehab and work and 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 struggle, cry basically, you know. All of those the the emotions that come with 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 coming back from a devastating injury that he had, I saw that, and uh, you know I, I was there, you know, as as much as I could when I wasn't doing you know my own work, to see him go through that. I'm telling you guys, uh, and, and and you know the cat's out of the bag with Coach Menon and and and, and Coach and I, and I'm just gonna hop on that bandwagon and and say watch Jamal, he's he's gonna he's gonna be ready to go, and. Uh, 
And, and I think now he, he's, a, he's a much more mature Jamal, uh, knowing you know what his body can take and what it can't, even though he's so young. Uh, and uh, I, I think he's going to have a banner year. Are we going to see more Nate Carter this year? Yeah, Nate, um, and and he's deserved that role. Okay, so so let me let me preface my my my, my next comments by saying, the epitome of of a walk on at BYU, uh, if there's a definition of that, it's Nate Carter, and uh, our relationship and our our uh, just just the way that we've gone about our business with, with Nate, from a coaching vantage point, and then for me personally, uh, you know, off the field with Nate has, has been great. He has done everything I've asked, every, every single thing, uh, from working out, from uh, how to ch- you know, do his, change his body uh, to what we need, uh, you know, how to hold the ball, you know, and the things, things of just little, little things like that that I've asked of him, and he's taken that to heart. And uh, when, when, when he succeeds this year, don't be surprised, uh, you know, Cougar Nation, that that young man – uh, has put himself in a position to be successful. And, and, and when he does that, I'm not going to be surprised one bit. Yeah, I don't think we will be surprised because we've seen some flashes of brilliance from him, uh, particularly in, in the Nevada game last year. Yeah, and just to a coaching point, you know, I think we helped by putting him in, in some good situations. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to throw Nate out there to, you know, to, to get run over and, and to do, you know, not not to perform at his best. And, and I think uh, – Nate has, has, has grown with our offense, and, and he's a senior now. So we're, we're, we're relying on, on him as well as Adam Hine uh, and Jamal uh, to lead our room. Now that, that big-headed uh, Aussie, oh, I mean New Zealand guy, the one that— uh, say Tunga Fasi. No, 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 the Josh one that's Ruben. in Arizona. The, uh, what's his name? Paul, Paul Asike. Asike. Oh, yeah. Paul, oh, Paul Asike. Yeah, that, that guy. Um, you know, now that he's out of the room, and he brought a presence, uh, even though he, uh, you know— was very new to the sport. Uh, he, he brought a presence to our room, a physicality, a, a, you know, a bang mentality. Let, let's go and just smash we with fools. And, and now uh, having with Jamal and, and Nate and, and Adam lead the way, uh, you know, there, there'll be a different dynamic with what our room brings. But the core of what we do is going to remain the same. And, uh, and I'm excited to see that uh, manifest. We've got about 20 seconds left. I want, I want to know, it. if at any point are we going to see a Manasseh Tungafasi Carry the ball on the one yard line, a la Refrigerator Perry and the Chicago Bears. Ask Coach Adai that. Okay. Yeah, that be, <laughs> hey, and before I go, man, shout out to my family out there in in, in Washington D.C. Uh, you know, they're, they're Cleveland Brown fans. They, 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 their father actually works for the Browns organization. But to the Tuyoti family, holla. Very cool. Hey, we won't wait as long to have you back on the show. Are you yeah. cool coming back Whatever. on sooner than later? I'm telling you, we won't. Whatever. Hey, in another two years? Cougar Nation, I'll see you in eight years. <laughs> How's that? All right. Hey, just to uh, commemorate this occasion, we'd like you to sign our Rise Up flag uh, during the commercial break. Yeah, I mean, like where? I mean, there's no room. You, sign it on the wire room on the All the guys dude. that have come before me and girls that have come before me. And, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll sign it like somewhere in the corner over there. Okay. Hey, but real talk, you. much love to you, Spence yeah. and, and, and Jeremy. You guys are real cool guys. And, and off the camera, you guys are just, just as great. So We appreciate Thanks, Mark. the time. Let's and get, ben, Don, let's hey, get Donnie up, in ben? here, too. Nice. Thank you, that guy. <laughs> How many days until September 5th, by the way? Countdown to the Cornhuskers. 71. 71 we days down away. every day on the show. <laughs> Just cool. like you guys in the locker room. No doubt, no doubt. 71 days away. We just wrapped up with Mark Atawaya. 
Great stuff from the running backs coach. Up next, what's it like to take over a team that just went to the national championship match? Heather Olmstead of BYU Women's Volleyball joins us on BYU Sports Nation. Mark's best jumper, top of the key. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live on a Friday in the studio bizzle. BYU Football Media Day is on demand. If you missed it or you want to watch it again, go to BYUtv.org slash DVR. That's BYUtv.org slash DVR. Or download the iTunes podcast. It's free. Check it out. It's a three-guest Friday, a fast Friday, and our third guest in studio is Heather Olmstead, the new BYU head women's volleyball coach. When I say that, what goes through your mind? Uh, Yeah, it's still kind of like a dream. Still not used to it. Uh, Still got my old signature on my email, so I (laughs) got to update a few things. That's when it's official, when you change the signature on your email? Probably today. Yeah. What was uh, what was that process like? As uh, Sean told you, hey, I'm going after this, and then then what happened to get you in the uh, head coach position? Yeah, then then my my mouth dropped with shock, and um, it just kind of went from there. He he made that decision, and um, happy for him, and things kind of worked out the way they did. An opportunity came my way, so here we are. How much different are your responsibilities, given that you were the associate head coach and now you're the head coach? Yeah, I think the, the biggest difference for me is going to be that now I'm making the decisions that affect people's lives. So that's probably going to be the biggest change. Although our staff has always made those decisions together, it's the head coach that, that usually comes out and, and shows, okay, this is what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to approach things. Who's going to play? Who's going to do this and that? So that's probably the biggest change for me and difference going forward with this team. You can veto things. <laughs> You're the president, right? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you have to change um, the way you coach at all? Because uh, you have to be the boss to a certain degree versus right. before m- maybe you were, but now you have to be, right? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I change who I am. I mean, that's one of the things that, that I'm real passionate about is just being who I am. I'm, I'm not Sean, um, you know, thank goodness, but I'm, I'm me. <laughs> and we are brother and sister, but we're different. And so I'm just going to be me. And um, I think that's, that's a good thing. We joked with Sean when he came on the show a few days ago. Um, about being in the field house for the women's games. And he's like, right. I'm going to be on the front row with my shirt off, my stomach paint. It's like, do you want he, he, he didn't know, though. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, true. That's yeah. true. Do you want him in the field house for the games? Or would you rather he be, like, out of the building? Yeah, you know, I think whatever he decides is, is cool with me. I think once we get into season and things start happening, then I don't, I don't know. I probably won't even notice who's there. So I'll be focused on our team and what we got to do to get better and just keep going from there. So if that's what, if that's what he wants to do and he wants to heckle a little bit, then that <laughs> might help. So He could heckle his sister a little bit. Hey, I would have done this. Yeah. I could see where that could be really cool or really awkward. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be a weird thing. Which, which brings me to this. Have your emotions um, evolved the last, say, week or two as this has happened? And then at some point you embrace, like, yes, I'm the head coach. Yeah, for sure. It's been a process. Um, it happens so quickly. Um, very little time to prepare. So I'm going through that process right now. And I left um, a couple hours after it got announced to Florida to go recruit. And I just got back last night. So it's still kind of, like I said, a, a dream. And I haven't really even, I haven't even moved my office over yet. So you haven't probably had a chance to talk to any of the girls in person since this decision has come through. I talked to every single girl oh, right after. Okay. Yeah, in person. Okay. Yeah, okay. I made time for that. And I had a couple hours. So we sat down. I, I checked in with every single girl. What were those uh, conversations like? You know, they were good. We just talked about what we got to do to get better and what their goals are for this fall, uh, wh- what they want to 
be for themselves goals and for a team. And that's kind of where we focused our conversations on. Uh, Not so much of what just happened, but hey, I'm here for you. What can I do? What do you want to accomplish? And let's move forward. From from uh, my perspective, I've looked at your career and thought, okay, you played at Utah State, assisted at Utah State, you assisted at Utah. Could you have imagined that you were that good Never. to be? Because it seemed like you were almost doing Sean a favor when you came here to be like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. Yeah, that ne- coach. Never, never in a thousand years, um, never even crossed my mind. Even up until the point when he said, look, this is what's going to happen. Still, never crossed my mind. Um, I think that those situations prepared me for what I'm about to do, and so I'm grateful for those situations that I was able to to be at each of those universities and, and prepare myself for this. But still. Never. I mean, I did. I came here for him to help him. I thought he was never going to leave. So <laughs> and he's apparently never going to leave, but he left me. And that's what I said. You know, look, he left me, too. I came here for him, you know, not leave in a, in a negative way, but he, I was here for him, too. And now he's gone. But what do you do? The look on your face when you said, I thought, I thought he was never, never was going to leave. The best reaction we've ever had on this set. <laughs> Good. Amazing. Good. I love that. What was uh, okay? Let's let's do this. Your brothers and, si- and brother and sister, so you can give each other advice. If you could give Sean one bit of advice as he now takes over the men's program, what would it be? Oh, some advice for Sean. Um, yeah, I think I don't know if I have any advice. Just be be himself, and that's that's what he's going to do. He's going to be who he is, and just kind of do his thing. And he's um, he loves volleyball. He loves. The men's volleyball program, it's his passion. He played there. He won championships there. So when I sat down and thought about it, you know, as I'm sure everybody did, it was like, it makes sense. So I, I don't think I have any advice for him. I think I need advice from him. Nothing about his wardrobe <laughs> at all? I really? have lots of advice on that. <laughs> I will keep it to myself. When do you make, um, and maybe you have already, I'm, I'm, I don't know, uh, decisions related to your assistance? Yeah, Dave Heights with, with, with us and excited about that. And he's excited going forward. Um, and then to fill that other assistant spot, it's, it's in the process right now, just sifting through some things. How do you manage expectations coming off of a year that was magical, that included a run to the national final? I think, um, gosh, what's so great about this is the, the kids, the girls on our team, such good leadership, Alexa Gray, Camry, Sierra, and not only that, the juniors, Whitney, Amy, Cozy, McKenna, like those kids are ready. So the expectations, they've been there, they've been through it. Our expectations are to get better every day, to have look at the process of what we're doing, and it takes care of itself. So really expectations, we didn't even really have expectations last year for ourselves. We just went through the process. And it's going to be a, another good team, a bunch of matches on BYU TV, which will be announced later. But earlier today, we broke the news on the women's volleyball schedule announcement. What do you think of the 29-game schedule we've got lined up? Yeah, we're excited for this schedule. We've got some good uh, non-conference, tough matches, USC, North Carolina, Purdue, Utah. They're going to test us. They're going to try us. We're, I'm getting thrown into the fire. It'll be fun. And you're the big dog to them because you went to the national championship. Game. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> they better remember that. No, it, it's going to be challenging, and it's going to be that these girls are ready. It feels like December was just last week so it's crazy that it's right around the corner but I think they're ready to get on the court and kind of prove themselves a little bit you know look Jen's gone Sean's gone I think the expectations now people maybe took a step back and said "Uh uh-oh what's going to happen there but we're, we're excited about the possibilities and then obviously the West Coast Conference is always tough 11 of the 29 matches against teams that went to the NCAA tournament. I will make one guarantee, Heather, and that is that there will be no Olmstead tournament stash at least on the women's side. (laughs) No stash. (laughs) Please no. No stash. I can guarantee you that. Fantastic. Maybe, maybe Sean will grow it out. Yeah, yeah in November. We still have Giuseppe. So. Oh, that's true. That's true. Giuseppe. We got that going. Heather, great to talk to you. Thank we you. wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much. The new head coach of BYU women's volleyball, Heather Olmstead. Up next, 
your rise and shout, the elite tweet and a whip, plus sounds of the week. We're going out big on a Friday after a big week on BYU Sports Nation. And Zach Blair finished up in round two. We'll tell you what his score is. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Whip it! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Women's Volleyball. The 2015 schedule has been officially announced. BYU opens the season in L.A. against teams like North Carolina and USC. Other tough matches against the likes of Purdue and Utah. The 29-game schedule includes seven teams that went to the NCAA tournament last season. Men's Volleyball. USA Volleyball under 21. Their team beat El Salvador 3-0 last night. Brendan Sander at four kills, one block. USA-Mexico tonight. Cougars in the PGA. The second round of the Travelers Championship teed off this morning with three Cougars in action. Zach Blair finishes round two at seven over par. Mike Weir and Daniel Summerhays tee off later this afternoon. Soccer. BYU men's soccer play in Las Vegas tonight and tomorrow at 10.30 East. We're still searching for that win. Get women's basketball. Former BYU All-American Jen Hampson and the L.A. Sparks take on the Connecticut Sun tonight at 9 Eastern time. Baseball. Former Cougar Jacob Rugman, one for three with a couple of runs batted in and a walk for the Midland Rockhounds last night playing well. Track and field. At the USA Track and Field Outdoor Championship, Shaquille Walker took third in the uh, 800 meters in Eugene. He runs again tonight in the semifinals. Jason Witt took 12th in the 10,000 meters. Give me the sounds of the week. You know, Carl and, and those lessons and that, I've always felt a connection to that program. You know, I always thought it'd be a great job. And I can say that everybody's turned into a dog. They might have started out like chihuahuas, but we turned it into pit bulls, rock rollers. We ready to eat, man. No, but I mean, you're almost like you're afraid of me. I, I'm, I'm not an alien. Do you want a hug, bro hug or something? We can bro. You well, it's not bro nut, hugs. Nut? It's a man hug. We man yeah. hug. During the break. And we'll kiss. Nope. <laughs> On the cheeks, though. Oh, okay. On the cheeks, that's all. Uh, man, it was so fun to see the true freshman coming in and, and going 11-2, and two, finishing 12th in the country and winning our bowl game. Going 8-5, and five, it's just like, who are we? Do people know who we are? There's no question this is the highlight. I mean, <laughs> really? how, how could it not be? No. But when, when you're referred to as guest number one, um, if I see the goal line, like... I'm not going down, right? Like, I'm going to do everything I can to score. Like, I'm not going to see two middle-aged... Middle-aged? Vanilla men in my closet. We intend to hunt teams down. We're not going just to to see what it's like in Lincoln. We're we're more hunting than um, travel. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. And it goes to Mark Atawaya for stealing Bronco Mendenhall's <laughs> golf cart. And the elite tweet of the day goes to at Utah. If I take my blue goggles off, I think Mika has the best opportunity to be selected in a two-round NBA draft. Thanks to Brian Keel, Mark Atwai, Heather Olmstead, and everyone on our crew. The show on demand. Also, download the podcast on iTunes. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Joe Sampson. Happy Friday, everyone. That's how we do it on BYU Sports Nation. Brian Logan's cousin. <laughs>